0: Our next meeting is in three weeks, so make sure that's on your calendar. You probably wouldn't come in two weeks anyway, because it would be right before New Year's. But, uh, so three weeks, and then at the bottom of the emails, you probably know this, but all the dates are listed, so if you want to just go ahead and put those in your calendar for winter or spring, they'll be on that uh, email. And if you ever need any content, you can look at the ironleadership.org uh, website. Uh, this morning we're talking about friendships, And so I've asked Steve Moore to pray for us, and he is my friend. And I met him at Iron Leadership. I don't don't know if I ever met you before that. Um, So he came six years ago now. And uh, I knew we were friends when he introduced me to, uh, what was the donut place down at Carolina Beach? Oh, Bake. He told me about Wake and and I was like, you're my best friend. (laughs) All right. So, Steve, pray for us.
1: book it. Ecclesiastes, Solomon reminds us that when two people are better than one, and because they can gather greater reward for their work, and if one fails, the other will be able to lift him up. He says, uh, woe to him who is alone when he falls, and has not another to lift him up. He also reminds us uh, that when we're cold, like in the past few mornings, if we huddle together, it's easier to keep warm. And when we do stick together, it's easier for us to keep our guard up than we try than when we try to go alone. Let's pray. Good morning, Lord. Today, as we share a look at friendship, help us to remember the importance and the duty of what it means to be a friend to someone. Give us the strength to, to be better at being selfless and caring. Help us to be focused and in this world that has all kinds of opportunities for us to learn and grow and demand what little attention we do have left, help us to be mindful and, and present, forever mindful and present when we are in the company of family and friends, especially in the coming weeks. It's my prayer that each of these men here are surrounded with a true, dependable, loyal, and honest friend by like companionship Understanding advice and example will make them better men each day. It's written somewhere around here someplace that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Guide and direct Paul and us as we spend this time together now. In Jesus' name pray.
0: Amen. Thank you, my friend. So in my opinion, real trusted Uh, valuable friendship is what steve was describing there is one of the most powerful forces on earth when you have that more things can get accomplished in an exponential fashion than you can possibly get done by yourself and i would say as we think about building an interior wall this year, as we think about building our character so that when we encounter different leadership challenges, if you don't have other people helping you as part of that wall, then your, your success rate is, is greatly diminished. So you're facing a t- challenge, and you're, you're going to need advice, you're going to need somebody standing there next to you, you're going to need friendship all along the way, and you guys know that, and so I want to just think, of, think about this morning, thick friendships, Thick friendships. We want to build a thick wall, and in order to do that, we have to build a thick friendships. There are a lot of beautiful moments in the Bible, and you, you know, you could pick the one that you wish you could see or be a part of. But one of the ones that I really would want to see is the upper room on the last night. Jesus is with his disciples, and he knows, in a way they don't know, that this journey is coming to an end. We've had these three years. And think about all the things they've experienced together. Think the fact that just Jesus, first thing he did when he went in in to, to do something was, I need some friends. I've got to have some people with me. And, of course, he wasn't doing that just because he's going to launch these people out in the church. He, as a human being, needed the friendships himself to sustain him. And so on this last night, he says this in John 15, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his, what does it say? Friends. That's that's the kind of thick friendship these guys have formed. And he's looking at these guys and he's saying, "I love you. I'm going to I'm going to lay down my life for me, for you. You you are," he says after this phrase, "You're my friends." He sees that his friends are in the in a kind of trouble that they don't even see for themselves. They think most of their trouble is external the Roman government or that sort of thing, he sees their, their biggest problem is an internal problem. And he's going to come rescue them. And his rescue is laying his life down for his friends. And so when we think about that picture, that's the model that we want to think about in terms of thick friendships, that kind of friendships that's sustained over a period of time. You're on a journey together. You, you've built some things together that took time, took hardship, took experience, and then it's formed in such a thick way that you're going to lay your life down for this person. Um, and this verse that Steve wrote, out, out, Steve read out of Ecclesiastes is really a, a perfect uh, verse for this first video I want to show about friendships. Um where, you know, two are better than one. If you're just all by yourself, you can get yourself in problems that you may not be able to get yourself out of. And this video really speaks in that way. Red has ventured out alone. london straight into the middle of the hyena clan to take on red is lucky (laughs) yeah red is lucky (laughs) I love that video I love that last line even for 20 hyenas just a pair is too much One, they're probably going to win, but just one more person, one more friend comes in and you could do things you couldn't possibly do on your own, which is really what Solomon is talking about in Ecclesiastes. So my question, my main question for us this morning is just, do you have these kinds of friendships? men are typically not great at forming these kinds of friendships. So that's what we just want to think about uh, this morning. One of the verses that I want to use is Proverbs, comes from Proverbs 28 or 18, 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer to than a brother. So do you have that, that kind of friendship? Dave Ramsey, who's the guy who does financial peace, He has this quote uh, about your salary. Your income will be within 10% of the average income of your 10 closest friends. Your income will be within 10% of the average of your 10 closest friends. And some of you are saying, I need some new friends. (laughs) But I would want to rework that and say your spiritual wealth will be within 10% of your 10 closest friends. You just think about who who are your closest friends. And your your spiritual health, your spiritual wealth is going to be within 10% of that. And so we want to think about who we're surrounding ourselves with as our closest friends. We're, we're not saying you shouldn't have a friend who doesn't know Jesus. You should. But in terms of your inner circle, who are those people? And I want to think about it in uh, this these three ways. Constancy. I just needed a word that started with C. Uh, Correction and care. So constancy, you have a, a faithful friendship. Uh, Proverbs 17, 17 7, a friend loves at all times, a brother is born for adversity. And Proverbs 20, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful friend, who can find? So this first first proverb, Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times, a brother is born for adversity. Hear what it say, they're saying? When you're, ad, when you're in adversity, your brother has to come rescue you because he's blood, right? But a friend's gonna love you all the time. In the, in the meaningless times, in the meaningful times, in the adverse times. I mean, a brother has some kind of obligation, but a friend... As I said in the quote in the te- in the mass text, the f- the friend is the family you get to choose. My sister who lives in Colorado gets into trouble. I mean, I love her, and, but I'm I'm going to have to try to help her in some way. We're related, but my friend he he's going to be around all the time. He's going to be there for that time of adversity. He's going to be the time of boredom. He's going to be there to celebrate in the time of joy. And so we we want those kinds of friends, and probably the one of the greatest pictures of friendship in the Bible beyond Jesus and his disciples, I think, is David and Jonathan. So you remember Saul is the first king of Israel. He has a son, and his name, his name is Jonathan. And Jonathan is a great man in his own right. He's really a winsome character in First uh, Samuel, um, in the book of First Samuel. And he's going to be the heir to the throne. So he's being groomed to become the king. And in, if you were look at if you were look at chapter 14, you would see that Jonathan has his own uh, little army. He's won his own battles. He's done some things that everybody goes. Jonathan, we're we're glad he's the next person in line. And that's in chapter 14. And then in chapter 17, David comes out of basically nowhere, and he kills a great big Philistine Goliath. And then everybody kind of starts shifting their attention to David. And even God's shifting his attention towards David. And everybody follows after David. And then in chapter 17, so 617, David kills Goliath. Chapter 18, David and Jonathan meet. So, bum, bum, bum. You know, you've got the, the man who's being groomed to be the king. He's done some things in his own right that set him apart. This new guy comes on the scene. Now people are beginning to shift attention towards him. What, what are, what's this relationship going to be like with David and Jonathan? David is, uh, Saul is talking to David, and Jonathan's standing nearby as a son. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, David and Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. What a great picture. It, it got woven together. And Jonathan loved David as his own soul. Jo- then Jonathan made a covenant with David. This is the, the, the faithfulness of this friendship. It's a covenant. Because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe that was on him. He gave it to David. So it's this symbolic, I'm transferring my power to you. My, my, uh, all the things that I have are, come, are going to you. His armor even his sword and his bow and his belt. And then David went out and was successful. And then as you read the next couple of chapters, you see how much Jonathan sacrificed for David. He's the one who told David, hey, I think my, my father's coming for you. Then they had this whole, you know, secret uh, plan of how David's going to escape, and Jonathan was a part of that. And then Saul got angry and tried to kill his own son, Jonathan. So Jonathan and David have this great relationship, and uh, it's one who's faithful. So a faithful friend, who can find? Well, Jonathan found one in David. And so my question, just when I think about this kind of friendship, especially between men, when your friend get something you wanted how do you react the girlfriend the job I mean what you know whatever the information I mean whatever it is you have a friend and then man you, you were hoping that would happen with you or to you or for you and then your friend gets it what do you do So, so Jonathan was a true friend. He was going to sacrifice his life for David's life. I mean, Tartu, Red's friend, he didn't like stand out in there and go, dude, Red's in trouble. I don't want to go there. I mean, I might get chewed up. No, he, cut, he, he, cut, he makes a sacrifice. I mean, turns out good, but he doesn't know what's going to happen. So, so when your friend gets something you wanted or when your friend's in trouble, can you lay aside your stuff for that person? Or are your friends really sort of tr- just for you, your help? You're not really for them, you are just got them surrounded to help you. So are you a faithful friend in times of difficulty? Second thing that you have to have about friendships is uh, you have to be willing to have some correction Again, Proverbs, a great book on friendship. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So you're supposed to see these parallel statements. Uh, Open rebuke is equal to wounds of a friend. It's, It's better to have open rebuke. It's better to have somebody who will tell you what you're, you, they think is wrong. It's better to have wounds from a friend than something that's hidden. And hidden love is the same thing as an enemy of a kiss. I mean, in other words, if I'm your friend but I don't, I don't tell you what's wrong with you, I'm like an enemy. Do you see what he's saying? I mean, you're no good as a friend if you're calling me your friend, but then yet you see something you don't say something. That's like, that's like being a, a, having an enemy as a friend. And so most people don't enjoy wounding other people. I mean, most people are conflict-averse. I mean, there's a few people who love it, but most of us are just like, I don't know. That's not a big deal. I won't say it. And you just kind of move on. You try not to say anything. And at some point, you have to say something. And so my question for you is when you, when you have a friendship, one mark of a true friendship is you're willing to risk the friendship for the health of the other person. If you just say, well, you know, I, I, I love the person too much to create conflict, then you really don't love the person too much. You don't love the person enough is really what you should say. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a great book called Life Together, and this is what he says, reproof is unavoidable or correction. God's word demands it when a brother falls into open sin where defection from God's word in doctrine or in life imperils a word of rebuke must be ventured nothing can be more cruel than the tenderness that consigns another to his own sin nothing can be more cruel than being tender and then consigning them to. I'm too tender to say anything And then you're consigning them to the sin because they're hoping, I mean, most friends are hoping if you've got some problem that you're going to say it. And there was a great uh, illustration from a guy that was really on another topic, but he said he was sitting in a bagel shop, and he noticed a guy that was pretty well dressed and it looked like he was on his way to work or on his way to an interview. He's checking his time and he had his computer out and he's eating his bagel with cream cheese and he has a beard and a mustache and a blob of cream cheese gets stuck on his mustache. Yeah. And he sat there just thinking, should I tell the guy he's got a blob of cream cheese stuck on his- I mean, I don't know. I don't know the guy. And he kept thinking if... I were this guy going in for an interview, I'd want somebody to say, Hey, you got some cream cheese on your mustache. But you know, you have that fight, right? You see the cream cheese on somebody's mustache, and you're like, I don't know, should I say something? Should I not say something? And if you're a friend, you should say something. You should be willing to risk saying something for the sake of the friendship. And if you have a true friendship, then that, that, that person's going to be thankful. They may give you some kind of you know immediate resistance, but they'll be thankful uh, for that. Many years ago, uh, a friend of mine got engaged and then he asked me to be his best man. And so I was like, yeah, I mean, we were really best friends in college. And uh, he didn't have a, he didn't have really had a poor relationship with his dad. His dad was an alcoholic. And um, so we were, we were, we still are great friends. I didn't know the girl particularly well. I'd met her a time or two, but you know, over the course of the the dating or the being engaged, I saw her more. And I was just like, "Oh man, I this. I mean, I don't know. I, this doesn't look like a good fit. Just the way they interacted and." So I thought, what am I supposed to do? I'm his best man. So we went to lunch one day. I said, Scott, look, I don't know. I'm not Jesus or anything. But here are four or five things that I see. And if you don't get these things corrected, this is going to tank your marriage. And he didn't marry the girl. I don't think it was just because of that. I think he probably began to see some things himself, but he he's still my friend, and he's so thankful. He didn't marry her, but, you know, that was the cream cheese moment. That was the, am I going to say something? I mean, look, I could have just said, look, they're already engaged. I should have gotten engaged in this before now, or, I mean, you know, there's all kinds of ways you wiggle out of trying to say something. And I could have been helping consign him to a marriage for the rest of his life. That would have been very difficult that that I would have wished I had said. And if he chooses to do it, then he chooses to do it. That's another thing. But So it can be very difficult. Uh, if you're on the receiving end, not just the giving end, Proverbs thirteen one: a wise son hears his father's instruction so that, that somebody's giving you instructions somebody who's wiser than you, and you're wise if you hear it, but a scoffer or a fool doesn't listen to rebuke. So just think for yourself, as somebody comes to you that is a friend and says something, what's sort of your immediate reaction? Ah, you're an idiot. You don't know understand. I mean, you know, what, what is that? What is, what is your sort of internal... Now, probably most of us want to try to get out of this conflict by saying that person's wrong. But can, can you say, look, this, per- this is a person who loves me. This is a person who's my friend. They're, they are trying to help me. They're not trying to wound me permanently. They're trying to wound me so I don't hurt myself even further. And so you have to think about that. Do you have, do you have a friend who can say something that's wounding and you can hear it? That's on you. You know, you got you got to be the friend who's willing to say something, but you got to have thick friendships who are going to say something to him. And then you don't you don't stab him in the heart on the way back. So, correction. The last thing is, you have to care for your friendships. They don't they don't just happen. You know, you got to give time and attention to your friendships. And so, Proverbs eleven twelve. Whoever belittles his friend lacks sense but a man of understanding remains silent so to belittle somebody is to make somebody feel small so if you're in a friendship and i mean guys joke around that's fine that's i'm not talking about that but when you're in a friendship and you always feel like you need to kind of be the superior you're not going to have great friendship. if that's the way you are you're not going to have great friendships because the person who's, who's not the superior is going to always feel like, you know what? And Mike doesn't do this, but Mike thinks he's better than me. And Mike is better than me in some ways, but I mean, all the time, he's just making sure, Paul, here I am and here you all the time. Well, pretty soon, I'm not going to be Mike's friend, right? Sorry, Mike, I picked on you today. Uh, Mike wouldn't be that kind of person, but... You, you, but if, if you're that way, you're not caring for your relationships. But, but somebody who's uh, understanding, notice this, knows when to be silent. This is a great caring character. I don't know if you realize it, you don't have to say everything that comes in your head. It's not necessary for you to respond to everything that gets said. And if you want to have a great friendship with your wife or your child, you do not need to say everything that comes into your head. And if you want to have a great friendship with just somebody else, it's not necessary for you to comment on everything that the person says. In the the book uh, Soul Keeping, uh, Dallas Willard, who's a very smart uh, professor, is teaching a class. And towards the end, the the writer says, towards the end of of one of Willard's philosophy classes, a student raised an objection that was both insulting towards Dallas and clearly wrong. So Dallas is the professor. He's the smartest guy in the room. And the person makes a comment that's insulting and wrong. And instead of correcting him, Dallas gently said, this would be a good place to end the class for the day. And afterwards, this person approached Dallas Willard and said, why did you let him get away with that? And here was Dallas Willard's reply. I was practicing the discipline of not having to have the last word. That's a, t- that's a tough discipline. But having the discipline of not having to have the last word is a way you care for your friendships. Friendships. Is knowing when to remain silent, when to just say this person's just blowing off steam. They just they need to open up to somebody, and I don't have to respond. I'm just here to receive. But see, a lot of times guys are fixers, so I come in and unload. And what do you do? Yeah, yeah. Well, Paul, b B, two, C, three. is what you. I'm like, dude, that's not what I'm here for. You're an idiot, Paul. You shouldn't have done that. You know, just it's so easy to say things, so natural. That, that it really hurts the relationship. So, are you caring for your relationships? Proverbs 17 9. I don't know if I changed the screen. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but whoever repeats a matter separates close friends. So, your friend does something and it offends you. You go tell everybody. You're going to separate yourself from your friend. But if you love the person, there's a way to cover that. One commentator, we disappoint our friends. The wise person covers those disappointments with forgiveness the way God does. Why doesn't God keep embarrassing us with our failures? You ever thought about that? What if God just said, hey, you know, every time you do something, I'm going to make sure everybody knows it. <laughs> we never go out of your house because he wants our friendship he covers our sins through Christ it's what we should do to our sinning friend we want to do that more because we want them more than payback see they've hurt, they, they've hurt us and instead of payback I really want the friendship more than payback so I cover that with love so real relationships shouldn't be super fragile. But the way they, they get thick is because you care. You, know, you take care of your friendships. And, it, and you may be the guy who has 20 great friends, or you may be the guy who has two. I'm, I'm not trying to get you to have a certain number. But you have to have some number of thick, thick friendships. I'm going to close with a video from Lord of the Rings because Lord of the Rings is the best movie for friendship. The whole whole movie is about a journey and friends. And at the center of the movie are is the friendship between Frodo and Sam. Yeah, these two hobbits who are uh you know, Frodo he's the one that's carrying the burden, which is the ring, and he's gotta throw it into uh the the, the lava at the end. And Sam has come along with them, and he's promised, you know, while they're still, still just in The Hobbit, you know, running around in cornfields, hey, we're on an adventure. I'm going to stick with you the whole time. But it gets pretty scary as you go through the book. And Sam is committed. He's one of my favorite characters in the book, that no matter what, he's going to stay with Frodo. No matter what Frodo does to hurt him or run away, or no matter how hard the burden is, he's going to stay with Frodo. And in this particular shot, Frodo stupidly thinks he needs to just go ahead on his own. Sam's been with him the whole time, but now, you know, the burden's heavy. I don't want to burden Sam. I, I don't want to burden anybody else. I want to make it on my own. Well, he's not going to make it on his own. You see that at the end of the movie. Um, but th- this little piece is a great, a great picture of friendship, especially by, by Sam. I promise, Mr Frodo. I promise. Don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee. And I don't mean to. I don't mean to. Oh, Sam. Such a beautiful picture there, these two guys rowing off at the end. I'm going alone, right, and I'm going with you. Yeah, I just wonder if you if you are that kind of friend, do you have that kind of friend? Let's uh, take 10 minutes or so, 15, and talk about friendship, and you can get a group of two or three of your friends and uh, talk together. Ready, break.